This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, today is the second Advent Sunday as we uh, move closer and closer towards Christmas. And it's a wonderful time as we see how the Bible reveals the one to be born. So let's uh, begin this time by committing ourselves to our Father in Heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas and for giving us your word. Prepare our hearts and our minds this morning to engage with your word from Luke 1 and help us to see how unusual and amazing Christmas was and is and will continue to be till Jesus Christ returns. For his glory we pray. Amen. Now I'd like to kind of use your imagination a little bit. Uh, imagine that we are kind of four or five months just before the first Christmas. No one celebrated Christmas back then, uh, but four to five months before the first Christmas in the hill countries of Judea, kind of on top of Bethlehem, an unusual child was born. In the town, everyone who heard about the birth of this child and the surrounding had to ask this question, what then is this child going to be? What then is this child going to be? Now, it was a birth that was such a drama surrounding it that those around them have to ask, what will happen to this child? What is this child going to be? Now, there was a news article a few years ago in Perth, Sunday Times, with the header 200 evacuated. Let me read this to you. Let me read uh, part of it for us. About 200 people evacuated from King Edward Memorial Hospital yesterday. A fire broke out in the basement pharmacy. 104 patients as well as staff and visitors from a six-story block of a building evacuated room by room and led into car parks. Patients were wheeled up. It is understood a woman went into labor during the evacuation. In the midst of kind of a hospital fire, one woman couldn't get out. She was in labor and she gave birth to not one, but two fireproof children. Such a dramatic birth it was that the father, as he was carrying these two children, running from room to room and then from building to building to safety, he couldn't help as he looked at his two newborn and said, what are these children going to be? The environment had put it in such a way that what are these children going to be? Well, most of you here actually do know this woman and the two children because that's my wife and my kids. Um, but that time I look at the kids and say, what are these two children going to be? But now I want you to come back to four or five months before Christmas because this birth of John is even more dramatic than anyone could expect. And anyone who saw the birth of John had to ask, what then is this child going to be? We read earlier in our responsive reading, there was an old priest by the name Zechariah. He had his old wife, uh, Elizabeth. They loved the Lord and they were childless. They prayed long and hard for children, but God did not give them any. Then one day, while on priestly duty, old Zechariah was uh, chosen to burn incense in the temple. And when he was there, an angel of the Lord appeared 
to Zechariah, and the angel proclaimed a great message to Zechariah. Let me read it to us again. The angel appeared to Zechariah and said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Not only did the angel declare an unusual birth, almost like the Israelites' forefathers of Abraham and Sarah, the angel also declares that this child would have a job description before he was even born. This is his job. Look at verse 13. He says, the angel says, his name is John. John means that the Lord has given grace in a time where grace is not sin. Verse 14, this child will bring joy to you and to many. Verse 15, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be dedicated to God. He will not drink wine or fermented stuff because he belongs to the Lord and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. There's none that have been mentioned like that. And verse 16, John's JD, his job description, is to bring many to God himself. In fact, verse 17, he says he will go on before the Lord in the power and spirit of one like Elijah, and he will turn people back to God. The wisdom of righteousness, he will make ready and he will prepare a people for the arrival of God himself. You know what, by the time Zechariah heard this uh, declaration from Gabriel, by the time he heard that the son was born in the spirit and power of Elijah, Zechariah was totally dumbfounded. Why? Because he's a priest and he knew God's word. In fact, any Israelite, if you have heard that a child is going to come in the spirit of Elijah, they too will be dumbfounded. Why would they be? Let me read to you the reason. In the last chapters of the Old Testament, God has given this promise. In Malachi, let me read to you God's last words recorded in Malachi, in the Old Testament. Malachi 3.1 God has said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me and then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will, be, will come. And the last two verses of the Old Testament reads this, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children, the hearts of children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. You know, all Israelites knew the prophecy of God, that when one, like Elijah, arrives, following Elijah will not just be another great king, but it will be God himself who will either come to gather his people, or he'll come to bring judgment. So when old Zechariah heard the prophecy of this, he was overwhelmed. He's getting way more than he had prayed for. Right? He's praying for a son, and now he's going to get the messenger before God. And he could not believe 
because it was so overwhelming. And when he, he couldn't believe, the angel did something that was very rare. That angels appearing is rare enough, but what this angel did is even more. The angel actually declared his own name. He said this, as if as a witness to these very things. This is what the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and dumb because of your unbelief until the birth of the child. So it was a birth with such drama surrounding it that Zechariah was left dumb for nine months. You know, people knew when, when Zechariah came out that he had witnessed something, but they couldn't figure out what was, what was it because he was silent and he was dumb and he was just kind of doing all these kind of actions. And then at the end, he went home. And nine months later, just as Gabriel has proclaimed, the time came for John to be born. Everyone was amazed and happy that God had, had fulfilled and blessed this old childless couple with children that God has been gracious to Zechariah and Elizabeth. But their amazement was just beginning. Look with me to verse 57 of today's passage. On the day of dedication for the child, the eighth day from his birth, relatives came to witness the child's circumcision and were planning to call the child Zechariah Jr. Look at verse 59. However, the, the mother Elizabeth insisted, saying, no, he is to be called John. At the moment, you kind of could hear the silence of the room because culturally, it's like no one in your house called John. Elizabeth, you kind of too happy and kind of snapped. You forgot your husband's name. He should be called Zechariah Jr. I said, no, he's going to be called John. Zechariah Jr. John. And they say, ah, whatever. Zechariah, what do you think? And Zechariah, the dumb, he suddenly... Um, say, bring me my iPad, right? He's going to ask for iPad. So they brought the iPad to Zechariah and he wrote there his name is John. And at that moment, Zechariah the dumb opened his mouth and started to speak. And everyone was shocked to their ears. And even the breathing of the room stopped because there you have a man who was silent and down for nine months starting to speak. Now, if you happen to know a friend or someone who, who kind of saw something and was down for nine months and start to speak, please let me know because I want to be there to hear what his first words are. Because out of the heart of a man will overflow the words that he's about to speak. And this man saw a, a sign from God and he was struck silent and down for nine months and then his mouth opened and decided to speak. So look at what he says. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah opened his mouth and he praised God. Look at verse 68 with me carefully. What did Zechariah say in verse 68? Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has given me a son. Anyone's looking at the passage? Is that what Zechariah said? It's not, isn't it? If you realize that when Zechariah opened his mouth, his first words was nothing about his son. It was about another son. And this is what he said. As the crowd kind of pierced, leaned their ears and tried to listen to Zechariah speak, the first words Zechariah said is this, verse 68 to 70. Look at it with me. Zechariah opened his mouth and he said, 
Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He said through His holy prophets long ago. Well, John is the child who will reveal salvation. The first words Zechariah said was, there will be a child who is salvation. Because look, look at this, you realize that John, um, from Zechariah, he's from the line of the priests. He is from the house of Aaron. But say, his first word is saying that there will come one who is from the lineage of the king from the house of David. Verse 68, this child, he will represent God himself to redeem people from slavery. 69, this child comes from the house of David as prophesied. In fact, this child will be raised by God as a horn of salvation. What's a horn of salvation? You know, the, the horn of an animal is the source of power. And the horn of salvation is actually a name given to God in Psalms 18, that God is the horn of salvation. But here God has said, this child will be the horn of salvation. And here God has given this child the name that he was given. In verse 70, this child is the one promised to David from old, since Second Samuel 7, we have read this many times this year, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, says the Lord to David, your throne will establish forever. So what kind of a child will the son, or what kind of a child will this son from the house of David be? Let us read on verse 71 to 75. This is what the horn of salvation from the house of David will bring. Verse 71. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This other child, not the child of Zechariah, but this child from the house of David, he will be the one who will actually rescue God's people from their enemies. Verse 71, he will be the one who actually will reveal the mercy of God. 72, he is the one whom God has promised to Abraham back in Genesis 22, that through the seed, the offspring of Abraham, the whole world, all nations will be blessed. 73. In fact, let us continue to ask this question, what kind of child will this son of David be? Verse 74 says, He will be the one who will rescue us and free us and enable us to live and serve God freely all of our days. You know, the birth of John, the prophecy of Zechariah the Old, are preludes just months before the first Christmas. Now, as people stood around the old Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they looked amazed at Zechariah Jr., that they have to call John from now on. And they wondered, what is this child going to be in verse 66? God is about to break in from darkness into light of hopelessness with full fulfillment of hope. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment to actually help us to kind of experience what it's actually like being someone in the time of John just before Christmas. Because the people, the nation of, um, the people of God, the Jews, for 400 years, they have not heard anything from God. 
for 400 years they have been silent. They were under the rule of the Roman Empire. So you can imagine them, week in, week out, Sabbath by Sabbath, they'll go to the place of worship. They'll hear God's word being read, the promise being said, and they'll listen and then they'll go home and they'll continue their work, earn their livings, feed their children and tell their grandchildren that God had given a promise. It's at this point where actually hope is kind of been passed down from generations to generations to generations that John was born. Because it was at this moment that God used that one child with such amazing birth to prepare the coming of another greater child. You know, friends, there are many great children that have been, there are many children that have been born to be great as they grew up. We read it in history. But there was never a child that was born to be great for the sake of pointing to a greater child that was to be born. Listen, as John, as Zechariah continues his prophecy, and he's going to put these two children together. Look at verse 67 to 76 to 79. Finally, he comes to his own son. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Verse 78, Because the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. No, Zechariah's son, he will be great, but his greatness lies in his purpose, that he will be prophet of God, the prophet of the Most High. He will be the one who will prepare the way for the arrival of the king. He will be the one who gathers people so that they can be ready when the king enters into the picture. That is the greatness of Zechariah's son. He was born to be the forerunner of God's king. And so that was his sole purpose and that will be the only thing that he will do as recorded in the Bible. So a few months after the birth of John was the first Christmas and the birth of the other son, the son from the house of David, the son of Abraham, the son of God, who will be the king. He will be the one that Zechariah proclaims in verse 78, 79. The rising sun that comes to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. That Christmas sun whom John the Baptist was born to point to, he is the one that John points for the rest of his life. In fact, let me just give you three accounts of how John points to this greater sun. And the first one happened before John was even born. Let me read to you this first account just before today's passage in Luke chapter 1. Let me just read to you. You don't have to read. You don't have to look at the passage on the screen, but let me just read this to you. At the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored 
that the mother of my Lord shall come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So John began his ministry of pointing to Jesus before he was even born. That's why the Spirit was in him before he was born. Talk about starting work early. That was how John began to work. Later, as John grew up, he pointed to Jesus and he says, although he was born after me, he actually was before me. This is what John said to everyone. John chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing water with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. My job is to pave his way. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. What else did John do? John came, he baptized Jesus, and as Jesus' reputation shoot up the roof and his start to dwindle down, people say, hey John, what's happening? And John gave kind of his closing words about his ministry this way. Let me read to you John chapter 3. His disciples, they came to John and they said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testify about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, meaning I'm not the Christ but I am sent ahead of him. Verse 30, He must become greater, I must become less. The Father loves the Son and places everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Now these are just three examples, but dear friends, only God can make such amazing preparation for Christmas. No, as spectacular as it is the birth of John, as spectacular as it is that an angel came, announced his name, and announced the birth of John, born to the old couple like Abraham and Isaac, but now it's Zechariah and Elizabeth. As great as it is that this child who was born will have the Spirit of God in him even before birth, as spectacular as it is the birth of John, he was only pointing to an even greater birth that the world must respond to. Because that is the only way that will prepare for the, re- the coming of Christ. We'll hear about this more in the next two weeks. But as kind of we draw this thing all together, I want to come and draw and what to ask this question, what is this child Jesus coming to offer? What is this child Jesus coming to offer? And I'll use the words of Zechariah's prophecy that we have read a few times now for us. From verse 71 and 74, Zechariah says that this child, the son of David, Jesus, is here to offer salvation from our enemies. Jesus is here to offer us salvation from our enemies. Now the question we have to ask is, 
Who is our enemies? What is the enemy that's great enough that God has to send such a king to kind of rescue us from it? What is the greatest enemy of humanity? And the answer is, it's not another human being. It's not another nation. The greatest enemy for that first Christmas were not the Romans. And the greatest enemy in our Christmas is also not another human or another nation. What is the greatest enemy that this son has to come to rescue us? It's found in Zechariah's words in verse 79. The greatest enemy for humanity all through history is death. Verse 79, those living in darkness are also living under the shadow cast out by death. And death, our greatest enemy, has existed ever since sin existed. Ever since the fall of Genesis, death has been our greatest enemy. Whenever Israel sins against God, the enemy pounds on Israel. Whenever Israel sins against God, death stands at the door of Israel waiting. And whenever we sin against God, death stands at our door waiting. Death can stand at the door legitimately because all sins must face the consequence of death. He's not standing there kind of as a kind of you know, illegal thing. He's standing there with great legitimacy waiting to claim what belongs to him. And this is where the mercy of God comes in the first Christmas. As the old Zechariah puts it this way in 78-79, let me read that again for us. Because the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death. And in the words of John, the son of Zechariah, he says this, Whoever comes and believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life because God's wrath remains on him. These are the words of the Father and the Son. To save us from the legitimate claim of our greatest enemy, God has to send the Son from heaven to shine the light of life into darkness. And that is where the story of Christmas will ultimately point to an offer of salvation from God to us. So let's kind of wrap this up. What then will the child John be? He will be the great messenger of the great king. What then will the son Jesus be? He will be that great king who will gather God's people to die and to be risen for them. But the question is, what then will we be? Will we be those who will come and accept this offer of salvation, this offer of rescue, and this offer of hope. You know what? It's the sure mercy of God that between us and death, there's still a gap. It's the sure mercy of God that we have been born alive and we are still alive today while death stands there and He cannot touch us. But the day will come when death will have the legitimacy to enter and claims those who belongs to him. But between there and now, 
in the mercy and the sheer mercy of God that Christmas stands between them. The offer of forgiveness remains open. The light that can shine into darkness is shining on us. And those who come to that first Christmas child will permanently sever the relationship between death and between us. And they, then death, will not have its foothold on those who now stands with their first Christmas child. So what then will we be? What then will it be for our loved ones? It is Christmas that is still standing there between the gap of life and death. So as I kind of close this um, time together, it will be a great time for us to think on Christmas. What then will we be? And how will we continue? Let us pray. Father, while it's called today, the offer of salvation is available to us and to our loved ones. While it's called today, Christmas is the day we celebrate because Christmas is the day of salvation. Most loving Heavenly Father, thank you for sending John and for sending your own Son, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for the offer of forgiveness of our sins when we sin against you and thank you for the offer of rescue from death who stands at everyone's door. Please let your light shine deeply and powerfully in our hearts as we ponder upon your words. For those of us who have already trusted in Jesus, we rejoice in Him this Christmas and we pray that you continue to help us to rejoice in the hope that we have. And for those of us who are still thinking about Christ, we pray God that you make yourself clear and your offer available to us as we grab it um, freely given to us. So get our feet in the path of peace this Christmas for the glory of your Son. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.